0: Good morning everyone. We're starting day number seven in our classes. We have already covered Elul and Slichas. We had one class of Slichas yesterday. Now we are going to start talking about Rosh Hashanah. And in order to understand what Rosh Hashanah is about, we have to learn the Kabbalah of Rosh Hashanah. What is the meaning of learning the Kabbalah of something? Learning the Kabbalah of something is, when you learn Torah in general, Torah has the internal part of Torah and the external part of Torah. The internal part of Torah possible again to record? Yeah it's already recording. Okay sorry. So, the external part of Torah tells you what you need to do. Comes Rosh Hashanah, the external part of Torah tells you you have to take the shofar, and you have to sound the shofar, you have to say the 30 verses, 10 verses of Malchios, 10 verses of Zichronos, 10 Zich- uh, All the details of the practical, technical things in Judaism are all found in the external part of the Torah. It tells our body what we need to do. The internal part of the Torah tells us the meaning behind it. There's the actual buying of the flowers, but then there is the relationship that is created by the flowers, through the flowers. And that is usually connected to the internal part of the Torah. The Holy Zohar says, that we have three, there's three things that interconnect between each other. God, the Jewish, the, the Jew, and the Torah. And both of them, both of these three things, I'm sorry, all three of these things have an internal and an external. And they go together. The external of the Torah connects the external of the Jew, which is the body. The external of the Torah is Halakha, Talmud, connects the external of the Jew, which is the body of the Jew, to the external of God, which is His commandments. The internal part of the Torah, which is Hasidus, Kabbalah, maybe some Jewish philosophy, that connects the internal, that's the soul of the Jew, to the internal of God, to get to know God by Himself. So to be honest, there's a lot of speeches by a lot of different rabbis that explain what is the meaning of Rosh Hashanah. Very typical, very normal. Every good speaker that is a bit, ta- I'm sorry, that's a bit ta- that is a bit talented could come up with a nice explanation of what Rosh Hashanah is about, and so on and so forth. The If we want to really know what Rosh Hashanah is all about, if we want to know what Shabbos is all about, we want to know if what Tov is all about, we want to know what Philemon is all about, everybody could say whatever they want, but if you really want to know from the sources what it's all about, you have to look in Kabbalah. The problem is that Kabbalah is written Kabbalistic. Kabbalistic is its own jargon, own terminology. And it's very hard to understand sometimes, and that's why we need Hasidus Hasidus decided to share the secrets of Kabbalah with, with, uh, with human brains. And that is one of the major aspects of the study of Hasidus, to make these Kabbalistic, romantic, spiritual texts available for the simpleton, for the layman, it explained in, in uh, simple terms. So what we're going to do first, before we're going to understand what, uh, before we're going to understand the Hasidus behind it, we're going to first learn the kabbalah of it. What is Rosh Hashanah all about? So we have to start out by saying that Rosh Hashanah that we're celebrating now is similar to the first Rosh Hashanah. One of the fascinating things that sometimes people don't realize is that Rosh Hashanah is not the first day of creation. The first day of creation is on the 25th of Elul. Rosh Hashanah is actually on the sixth day of creation, the day that Hashem created Adam, Adam and Eve, actually the focus on Adam, And it's the day of the creation of man, and that is considered to be the beginning of the year, the day of creation of man, which the simple explanation behind that is that the idea of creation of the man that's the whole that's the whole point why the world was created. The whole point of the world, the whole point of creation of the world is for the sake of man, creation of man, but There's something deeper. On Rosh Hashanah, we're doing what God did on the first year of Rosh Hashanah, we are doing now on Rosh Hashanah. In one of the verses in our prayers on Rosh Hashanah, we say, Today is the beginning of your work. Today is the beginning of the of your work. Zikaron, a commemoration, Leon Rishon, to the first day. And one of the things that is a bit, um, what does it mean? Is it like the first day, or it's only a commemoration for the first day? What's Rosh Hashanah all about? Says Hasidus that it's the same like the first day of creation with one major difference. The first day of creation was Hashem did all these things. Whatever He did, we're going to discuss. From then on, Rosh Hashanah is a day that we have to do everything that He did on the first day. Yeah, who could send it to, to Louis Berkowitz? Who said before, Simon Wallen? Maybe he's not here. Great, thank you. Thank you, Simon. What did Hashem do on the first day? What what did Hashem do on that day? One of the very fascinating things that Hashem did on that day was that He created the woman. Hashem put Adam to sleep and He took out a rib. I don't know. I hope that that's the right translation of the word tzela. And He created the woman. There's other things as well. But one of the major themes, according to Kabbalah, on Rosh Hashanah, what we do is we build femininity. We build the malchus. Malchus is the attribute of femininity of Asher. And we build, our Rosh Hashanah, we build that attribute. Why do we need to build it from anew? What happened? Tells us Kabbalah, an uh, interesting thing, that as Rosh Hashanah comes in, as the sun sets on the day before Rosh Hashanah, the Malchus of the previous year goes back up to its source. And our task on Rosh Hashanah, through the sounding of the shofar and the, and the saying of all the verses, we draw it back down, we rebuild it, we bring it back down to this world. Let's see a bit the text, it's a bit confusing, it's a bit Kabbalistic, but let's try to do it together, and then we'll try to explain it. But first, let's understand the Kabbalah of it. And as we're going to go deeper into the series, we're going to do this for a few days, we're going to get a deeper appreciation of what these things mean in simple layman terms, in the way Hasidus explains it and brings it down to our level. We are on the first page of of the booklet that I sent out, a booklet of 10 pages, and I want to start from the paragraph on the bottom of the page page number one in the booklet. On the paragraph on the bottom, everybody has it? The Hine says, The Rebbe Rashav, Hine, behold, the Lail Rosh Hashanah, on the night of Rosh Hashanah, who Haliyah Samalchus is the elevation of the Malchus, the ascent of the malchus what, what what does it mean where did it go says the says the kabbalah over here the quote from kabbalah sha malchus that the malchus Oleg goes up Lamayla above begins atsmus Sof, the malchus goes up to the essence of the infinite light of God. Uke as the Pasuk says, and over here comes something fascinating. How do we know that we have to sound the Shofar Rosh Hashanah? One of the places where it's hinted is in Tehillim, in Psalms. What does it say over there? Tiku b'chodesh shoifar, baKesel yoim chagenu, sound the shofar on the Chodesh, which we'll see later what that means on the co- the day that it's covered and it's a holiday. Listen to how fascinating that is. When does how does the Torah hint to the idea of Sukkot? I'm sorry, the idea of Rosh Hashanah. It tells us like this: find a holiday when there's no moon. That's what the Talmud tells us. What does it mean? It's covered. What is covered? All the Jewish holidays happen when on the 15th of the month, the 15th of the Jewish month, the 15th of the lunar month, the moon is always full. What is the only holiday that happens when there's no moon? That's Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah starts in the beginning of the month. Now let's be honest. Isn't that awkward and weird to identify the holiday by what? By telling us there's no moon? didn't find any more cryptic and and, and enigmatic way of describing the holiday. But we know that everything in Torah is exact. Everything in Torah is precise. So what is the idea of, of attributing the concept that there's no moon to Rosh Hashanah? Moon, what is moon? Moon is feminine, yeah? The sun is the masculine. The moon is the feminine. The moon is the recipient of light from the sun. And oops, the only holiday where there's no moon. What does it mean there's no moon? There's no malchus slash femininity in the world. And because there is no femininity, there is no malchus, we have to draw it back down, says the Mimer. Let's continue on the second line of this this paragraph. Five words before the end of the line, Malchos, that the level of Malchos, he Kisui, is in a state of concealment, the hester, and obscurity. The hindu meaning to say Shemistater that it hides. And it gets obscured. Now the Rabbi Roshav does something even more confusing to us. He tells us, you know what son is? The Malchus goes up. But where does it go up to? It goes up to the essential hiddenness of the infinite light of God. That's it. Up to this stage, We just learned Kabbalah. But before we even move on, let's try to understand what we don't understand in order that we should have a list of questions. And throughout our classes, we're going to try to give an answer to all of them. And slowly, all the pieces of the puzzle are going to come together and we'll understand exactly the Kabbalah of Rosh Hashanah. We're going to understand the Rosh Hashanah, which is going to be the Hasidus of Rosh Hashanah based on the Kabbalah of Rosh Hashanah. What is Rosh Hashanah? Rosh Hashanah is a day where the malchus goes up and we take 10 days to rebuild the malchus. How do we rebuild the malchus? Through the sounding of the shofar, to say through saying our prayers and so on and so forth. So what I would like to know is what does it mean malchus goes up? Malchus is the 10th of the 10 attributes. What does it mean 10 attributes? What does it mean that God has 10 sefirot? The basis of Kabbalah is that God has 10 sefirot. The 10th, Sefirah is called Malchus, translated as kingdom. It's the feminine, it's the feminine attribute, the feminine Sefirah. If we didn't bring it back down again, what would happen? The world of so, so that everything this will be understood once we understand what that is, but but uh, w- we would be a bit in trouble. It, it, I believe that it will come back down, but but we'll see. We're, we're that's exactly what we're going to discuss. You're you're in the right direction. So, we want to know what malchus means, we want to know what it means that it goes up, and we want to understand. What does it mean that it goes up all the way to the essence of God? Why do, why do I care where it goes up? And what is the meaning of bringing it back down? Anyone has any more questions? I just asked four questions. What does it mean, Malchus? What does it mean Malchus goes up? What does it mean to bring it back down? And what do I care where it goes up to? Any other questions that need to be discussed? Let's see. I believe everything will be understood, but at least let's have four bullets uh, that we need to explain. What does it mean, the 10 attributes of God? Let's explain. God has no attributes. God is completely non-composite for the simple reason, if he would have been composite, he too would have to have a creator. Anything... Corey Whale is asking, is there no moon or Rosh Hashanah? The Rosh Hashanah is the first day of the month. The first day of the month, you don't see no moon. So it's the first day of the month of the, of the lunar calendar, and there's no moon on the first day of the month. It's completely concealed. Yeah, The 15th day of every month is a full moon. From the 15th to the 1st, it becomes diminishes smaller and smaller. From the 1st, it starts growing again. Yeah, did I answer your question, Corey? Yeah, great. Thank you, I'm happy. Thank you for the question. Please, guys, feel free to ask. So, God is beyond any form, any attributes. Yeah? But, in order to create the world, God, so to say, created for himself ten hats. Ten attributes. And it's very easy for us to understand that, not because we understand God. But if we look at the world and we understand that the world comes from God, we understand that God has these things. Obviously, that's not the essence of God. That's what Kabbalah teaches us, that God as we know Him, we only know Him as a creator of the world. And God is really beyond being a creator of the world. God is, His essence is completely beyond. But what we do know from looking at the world, is a simple verse in Psalms. We say it in our prayers, I think every Tuesday or Wednesday in the Shir Yom, We say the following logic. If he implanted an ear, he definitely hears. If he created an eye, he definitely sees. What is the logic behind that? What is King Solomon coming to teach us? He's coming to teach us that everything in this world has to come from God. So therefore, if there's wisdom in this world, God must be wise. If there's emotions in this world, God must have emotions. And if you take all the things in the world and you divide them into the least categories possible, right? Because you don't have to have a category for every flower, right? So if you really think about it, water and love are similar. The only thing is water is in a form of matter. Love is in a form of emotion. But it's the same concept. Again, you need to uh, learn much more about it. But in general, just in a very, very in a short, short, short crash course, the, what does it mean, the 10 attributes? We're attributing to God 10 attributes, which, which, the, which out of 10 attributes, three are intellectual ones. Another three are emotional ones. Another three are instinctual ones whatever that means. Usually it's not divided three and three. It's three intellectual ones, six emotional ones. And then there's the last sphira that is called malchus. Malchus is the feminine. Malchus is the recipient of all the sphera that come from above. In Kabbalah, the mouth, for example, is called malchus. If you look at our bodies, our bodies are also created in the form of ten sefirot. If you read Patach Yahu, yeah, you could find it in the Chabad Siddur in the prayer of Friday afternoon before Mincha. Over there, there's a uh, piece of the Holy Zohar that has the basics of Kabbalah. So he goes through the whole body and he says like this, we have the right lobe, the left lobe, that's Chochmah and Dina. Then we have our right arm, our left arm. That's Chesed and vura. Our torso. That's Tiferes. Our two feet. Our Netzach yohod yeah? Then the 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 recreative organs are Yisod. And then Malchus. Malchus is the mouth. Now, most probably, you're wondering. If we went all the way from top to bottom, what happened suddenly that we're going to the mouth? We, we, we just got up, we, we just got to the top. And over here comes a small understanding, a small Kabbalistic understanding that you need to understand. That you could, that, that, that there, there are two ways of going lower. There is one way of going lower, going top to bottom, and then there is lower when you go outwards. Our mouth is lower than the other sefirot, yeah, because they are outwards. In other words, if we want to make a distinction between the first nine sefirot and the 10th sefirot is that the first nine sefirot is, so to say, the autonomy, not the an- autonomy, I'm sorry, the anatomy of God. The 10th sphira is God's expression. That's the idea of the mouth, communication. I just want to point out, maybe I, I not maybe, I forgot to say that, make that link. The verse says, mipsari erzeloka from my flesh I could see God. The simple meaning of that is that if you look at your flesh and you see how sophisticated our brain, our mouth, our, 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 our eyes our, how sophisticated you can understand that there is a God. Says the holy Bal Shem Tov, and the Alter Rebbe brings it in Epistle 15 in the Tanya, that from my flesh I could see God, is not I could see that there is a God. I could get to know God. Since we were created in His image, we could get to know God. And if you really want to understand God, you need to understand your own psyche. And our psyche is also created through the 10th Sfirot since we were created in his image. So if you ask a person, you have your intellect, you have your emotions. What is your 10th sphere? What is your feminine sphere? The expression of all that. That's why the mouth is called Nekeva. The mouth is called feminine because what does the mouth do? The mouth is a recipient of, yeah, just like femininity, female means to receive, right? What does the mouth receive? The mouth receives from the intellect and emotions. It doesn't have anything of its own, just like the moon doesn't have anything of its own. Femininity, too, doesn't have anything of its own. doesn't mean that a woman doesn't have anything of its own, of her own. A woman has all of her own attributes, but the aspect of femininity is about receiving. And just like you understand your mouth doesn't say its own things. It says what the intellect thinks, uh, thinks and, what the, and what the emotions think, and what the emotions feel, and then it expresses it. So therefore the Malchus, the moon, is just considered to be a recipient now you're most probably wondering, how come I call that recipient if that's my main mean of communicating, of communicating outwards? Perfect. Afterwards, the words become, so to say, the beginning of the relationship of the next world, so to say. But in my own world, towards me, what is my mouth? I have three forms of communication. There's the nine spirot that make up my anatomy, and there's the 10th sphira that, that is all about communicating. There's three types of communication, thought, speech, and action. you was probably wondering how, what's the difference between thought and in intellect? Intellect, we said, is on the top of the sphirot, and thought is, so to say, on the bottom. And what is the answer? The answer is that there's a major difference. We access our intellect through thought. But that's not what intellect is. Intellect is your perceptions and conceptions of the world. And they don't necessarily have a language. You know what's the biggest proof that thought, speech, and action are external? That thought, speech, and action are recipients? is that thought, speech, and action all have a language, even thought. You think in a language. Why do you think in a language? You don't feel in a language. Only when you think about your feelings, you'll attribute words to it. Right? But you think in a language. Why do we think in a language? Because thought is a means of communication. It happens to be that it's not communication to someone else. It's communication to myself. Only very smart people, when they want to discuss something with someone very smart, talk to themselves. But normal people don't talk to themselves. Normal people think. And they think in a language. So let's conclude. I know we went a bit into deep things today. And I promise that everything is going to be very, very clear at the end. Just bear with me. We said give us 21 days and I'll give you the world. Yeah, the world of Hasidis. We're, we did something that is a bit deeper, but hopefully, I promise that everything's going to be understood. So what we mainly covered today is the Kabbalah of Rosh Hashanah. The Rosh Hashanah means the elevation of the Malchus, the moon being covered, and the Malchus going back up to its original source, to the essential hiddenness of God. Our task is to bring it back down and we just started explaining what is the meaning of malchus how is malchus which is the 10th sfira different than all the other nine sfirot that come before that have a beautiful beautiful day see you on sunday morning no not sunday i'm sorry sorry thursday thursday, thursday. how could i say such a thing i'm so sorry no no i wouldn't i wouldn't i wouldn't survive if i would have to wait all the way to sunday Bye bye. I'll see bye. you there. Thank you very much. <laughs>